Welcome back to the Dr. Who Dat podcast, the show where we dive into the stories of some of history's most prominent physicians. My name is Jacob Edelman. And I'm Divya Balchander. And we are medical students at Drexel University College of Medicine in Philadelphia. It is our hope that this podcast will allow our listeners to gain a greater appreciation for medical history and the folks behind the diseases we medical students all love to memorize. This episode will focus on the English surgeon, Sir James Paget. Before we get into Dr. Paget's life, let's set the scene and drop into 19th century England. First, we start off with some notable British news and events from this period of industrialization. 1813 marked the publishing year of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, who notably is my sister Rachel's all-time favorite author. 1833 saw the abolishment of slavery throughout the British Empire. Yay! A year later, Queen Victoria ascended to the throne, marking the start of the 63-year-long Victorian era. In 1837, the first electric telegraph was sent between English inventor William Fothergill Cook and scientist Charles Wheatstone. This was later followed by Alexander Graham Bell's patent of the telephone in 1876, which rudely overshadowed the accomplishments of Cook and Wheatstone and their scandalous 1841 squabble over who should be credited with the invention of the telegraph. But spoilers, it was ruled that both of them should receive equal credit. Finally, the first modern railroad line, the London-Birmingham Railway, opened in 1838, revolutionizing travel. Okay, so that was all interesting, especially that thrilling interlude about the telegraph. But given how this is a medical history podcast, I'm sure you're wondering, hey, where's the medicine? Well, don't you worry, we've got you covered. In 1853, the Vaccination Act made it mandatory for British children to be vaccinated against smallpox. Florence Nightingale served as a nurse during the Crimean War in 1854, with historians estimating that her efforts to improve unsanitary wartime conditions reduced the expected death count by nearly two-thirds. Shortly thereafter, On the Origin of Species, published by Charles Darwin, hit the shelves in 1859, presenting his theory of natural selection. In 1865, Elizabeth Garrett Anderson became the first female doctor to receive a medical degree in the UK. 20 years after the first American female doctor, Elizabeth Blackwell received her degree. Finally, in 1867, Dr. Joseph Lister became the first surgeon to widely publicize antiseptic practices in surgery. Now that we've brought in some context, let's take a minute to review why Paget should be a household name to many of us in medicine, and for the rest of us, start to learn why he should become a household name for you too. First, we have to start with Paget's disease of bone, perhaps the most famous of his eponymous diseases. This condition, which is also called osteitis deformans, is characterized by excessive breakdown and reformation of bone, causing bones to become enlarged, deformed, and fragile. The next disease has multiple names, including Paget's disease of the nipple, Paget's disease of the breast, and mammary Paget disease. Whichever name you choose, it almost always means the same thing, breast cancer. This rare condition starts in the nipple and is often a sign of multiple tumors within the affected breast. Between 93 and 100% of cases are associated with underlying breast cancer, mainly located near the areola. The telltale pathologic finding of this disease is identification of Paget cells. 
which have large round appearance on microscopy and are located in the epidermis of the skin of the nipple and the areola. Finally, the award for the least creative disease name goes to da, 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 extra mammary Paget's disease, which, despite the fact that bone is also extra mammary, is a completely unrelated condition from Paget's disease of the bone. Like mammary Paget's disease, extra mammary Paget's disease is also considered to be a rare form of cancer, histologically characterized by Paget cells. However, this condition occurs not at the breast, but in other areas of the body, including the vulva, the perianal region, scrotum, penis, and axilla. I suppose that extra mammary Paget disease does sound more pleasant than Paget disease of the scrotum. Although personally, I would have called this condition a simpler name, like Dale. Let's take a stroll back to 19th century England and understand the circumstances of Paget's early life. James Paget was born in Great Yarmouth, England, January 11, 1814, the 12th of 17 children born to Samuel and Elizabeth Paget. While he was an elementary school student, his father's business went under, leaving the family bankrupt. In effect, this meant that James was unable to follow his older brothers to the prestigious Charterhouse School in London, as well as later at Cambridge University. Instead, he spent the first two decades of his life within a few miles of Great Yarmouth. A year after his plans to join the Navy were thwarted at the age of 16, Paget made the decision to become a surgeon and entered an apprenticeship under a local Great Yarmouth physician, Dr. Charles Costerton. Similar to medical students like us, Dr. Paget also spent the majority of his training in an epidemic. More specifically, typhoid fever and cholera ran rampant across the country during this time. In his memoir, he remarks on the use of therapeutic bleeding, calomel, opium, and saline injections into the vein as ideal treatments for this condition. Rumor has it that Paget may even be the reason for widespread opioid epidemic today, but you didn't hear it from us. Paget may or may not be actively rolling in his grave right now. Eh, nevertheless. Dr. Paget also dedicated a significant portion of his apprenticeship to the study of botany, the true love of his life. In fact, he once remarked, it is impossible to estimate too highly the influence of the study of botany on the course of my life. It introduced me into the society of studious and observant men, gave me an ambition for success, encouraged the habit of observing and orderly engagement. Love advice you totally didn't ask for. Get someone to talk about you, the way Sir James Paget talks about botany. In 1834, he even published a book with his brother Charles about the flora and fauna of Great Yarmouth, called The Natural History of Yarmouth and Its Neighborhood. Shh, what a nerd. Yeah, he even later recognized that the botany knowledge was useless, but the discipline of acquiring it was, quote, beyond all price. Glad we're all on the same page. Now, once an official medical student at St. Bartholomew's Hospital, Paget was exposed to yet another local epidemic. In the early 1830s, many patients presented to the hospital with GI symptoms, fever, and a flu-like illness. While this constellation of symptoms stumped other physicians, Paget, relying on his pathology background, diagnosed his patients with a parasitic infection, Trichinella spiralis, as the culprit for this epidemic. In doing so, Dr. Paget became the first person to identify and describe this pork parasite in the muscles of a living person. 
Subsequently, he worked with the local government to introduce a ban on the sale of expired pork. I think the craziest part of this story is that St. Bartholomew's didn't even have a microscope on site. Dr. Paget's botany connections came through as he physically took pathology slides home to his botany lab in order to visualize the parasite. Wow. What a nerd. Times two. Although he won all available awards for his studies in medicine, surgery, chemistry, and botany. What a nerd times three. He surprisingly did not pass his surgery qualifications. But as we know, his journey into medicine did not end there. During this brief interlude, as he prepared to retake his exams, Dr. Paget served as the curator for the hospital museum, as a medical journalist, and as a professor of anatomy and surgery. He held all these positions and continued to interact with patients until he was finally accepted into St. Bartholomew's as a surgeon at the age of 33. Woohoo! Shortly after this achievement, the accolades came pouring in. Paget was appointed as the Sergeant Surgeon Extraordinary to Queen Victoria, appointed Surgeon Ordinary to the Prince of Wales, granted knighthood by the Queen, and called for many prestigious addresses, including the Hunterian Oration an esteemed lecturer at the Royal College of Surgeons in England that has continued well into the 21st century. Hey Alexa, how does one become a knight? If you only take away one thing about Paget today, let it be his mark on the field of pathology. As previously mentioned, his most notable achievement was arguably his recognition and description of osteitis deformans, now called Paget's disease of bone. Throughout his medical training, Dr. Paget was exposed to five very similar patients presenting with enlarged and deformed long bones, bowing of the legs, and abnormal skull growth. One patient in particular developed bone cancer, now known to be osteosarcoma. A postmortem histological evaluation revealed disruption in the bone remodeling process, to which Paget attributed in an 1877 paper to be inflammatory in nature. The development of the x-ray, roughly 20 years after Paget's original paper, confirmed enlargement of many bones in similarly presenting patients. Surprisingly, Paget's initial clinical description of osteitis deformans has remained unchanged since. Paget originally coined this condition quiet necrosis of Paget, but for obvious reasons, it was later changed to Paget's disease of the bone years down the line. Oddly poetic. You know, if I were writing a book about my life, the title would definitely be The Quiet Necrosis of Vivia. Are, are you okay? So let's move on to talk in further detail about Dr. Paget's contributions to medicine. We'll start with paget schroeder syndrome, or PSS. This is often considered the venous variant of thoracic outlet syndrome. This condition is characterized by the thrombosis of the axillary and subclavian veins at the thoracic outlet. It was first described by Dr. Paget in a case of spontaneous thrombosis of the subclavian vein in his patient. Patients typically present with an upper extremity swelling and pain caused by a deep vein thrombosis secondary to repetitive strain from vigorous physical activity, most often presenting in young athletes with repetitive over-the-head motion of their arms, like pitchers, swimmers, or weightlifters. We also have Paget's abscess, also known as a residual abscess, that reoccurs at the site of a previous abscess after apparent cure months to years later. 
Also, although it is now named Osgood-Schlatter disease, Paget was the first to describe the condition, also known as osteochondritis desiccans. It's a common cause of atraumatic anterior knee pain in young athletes with tenderness at the patellar tendon insertion site of the tibial tuberosity. Finally, he was also the first to recognize that the median nerve could be compressed at the wrist, known today as carpal tunnel syndrome. That was quite a lot of discoveries. Yeah, I think that's pad just enough for one day. Amazing. Okay, now it's time for the fun stuff. For the next time you're at Trivia Night, and the category is Knighted British Botanists or Hottest Pathologists from Great Yarmouth, we give you random facts about Sir James Paget. Number one, Paget was noted to have kept his regional accent his entire life, never acquiring the quote-unquote artificial public school pronunciation. Fact number two, In 1996, a hospital bearing his name opened in Great Yarmouth. Fact number three, he also actively supported the idea of bringing women into medicine in India, which was decades before the first female doctor, American physician Elizabeth Blackwell, was even appointed. Fact number four, he was so dedicated to pathology that during one of his post-mortem examinations, he contracted a disease and almost died before he had a chance to be knighted. And finally... Fact number five, in 1903, shortly after Dr. Paget's death in 1899, his son, Stephen, published the memoirs and letters of Sir James Paget, a biography with carefully curated letters to all his employers and friends. His son is also credited with the seed and soil theory associated with metastatic cancer. Unfortunately, he was not knighted. What a shame. But don't worry, listeners, because bonus fact number six, Dr. Paget's great-grandson, Julian Paget, is also knighted. Oof, that was close. Wow, so we covered a lot of ground today. Let's do a quick TLDR of everything we discussed so far. Dr. Paget was born in Great Yarmouth in the early 19th century, somewhat obsessed with botany, eventually went on to become a surgeon and pathologist. Relying on his pathology background, he identified and described a number of diseases, including Paget's disease of the bone and breast, extramammary Paget disease, trichinella, and others. Finally, in the later part of his career, he was knighted by Queen Victoria and served in very esteemed roles to numerous royal parties. Wow. For someone who seemingly loved plants more than life itself, we sure are grateful he spent some time studying human diseases, too. And with that, we've wrapped up another episode. That's right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope that this has helped put a face to one of the thousands of things medical professionals need to learn. If nothing else, you don't need to feel bad about listening to a podcast instead of studying, because it was still medically related. And if you are ever in need of another distraction, be sure to tune back in to the Dr. Who Dat podcast. Until next time. We've been Jacob and Divya. Bye. Bye.